Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. You know, I always forget how choked up the It's Still Real to Me guy gets mm. during that uh, yeah. during that when you the watch The audio that doesn't clip. do the video justice. No, no, man. Because <laughs> the guy's got, like, tears in his eyes. You got to hear this. It makes me, I've had, I feel bad for the guy after watching it, but during the time, it's also very funny. He thanks everybody for what they've done to their bodies and then... Oh, you hear the internal like turmoil he's been that guy's at. He's a legend now. Like I don't know why does he. I mean, that guy should be be like have a podcast for wrestling. He should. You know what Matt, I, mean? I think a is now. he a legend? Well, he's legendary, but is he? Does anybody even know where he is? In this day and age, when the Catch Me Outside Infamous. girl has a, her own reality TV show and gets paid a whole lot of money to go on speaking engagements, yes, <laughs> I think yeah, legend. <laughs> I, I would say it doesn't take much these days. But see one. In front of the camera all the time. The other one, I don't even know whatever happened to the dude. Hey man, um, I'm gonna get on the rod real quick before we get started, but I'm not like mad. It's I'm oh. mad at myself. Rod was uh, late arriving today. I was, but it made me do something I've been needing to do, which I'm sure everybody can relate. I started deleting emails and realized there's emails from February that I haven't opened for some reason that oh, I felt the need to just randomly keep on here mm. so thanks rod for giving me time to uh no man go through I, my inbox and that's that's purge and straight some that's, stuff out that that hurts though <clears throat> because it's like you go down that rabbit hole and you're like yeah i don't even know why i didn't answer these emails and why i didn't do that don't start reading them just delete them yeah like, now you're wasting them. time yeah. yeah now you now you yeah because you can't do anything about that you, <laughs> you, just you move messed forward. up now you feel bad yeah, exactly yeah oh, that, delete them move on so saying like uh, people, if you send me something that happens to go in the spam filter, it, it ain't even gonna get looked at. I just, I just hit that trash button real fast. Man, if it's not really work related, it, 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 it's, it's tough sometimes to get it because oh guys, yeah, you know you're doing so many different things. Most of my inbox clutter uh, comes from the fine folks at the University of Texas Sports Information Office. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad I'm not on that thing. No, I still yeah. like I haven't had I, would, I don't look at emails for years <laughs> and literally but back whenever I did a ton of radio station stuff it would be every single person from either the Irwin Center or the athletic department so I still get informed of every all the goings on in town yeah. it's just unread. Well, yeah. what's okay. going on in town this weekend is going to be the spring game. Uh apparently, allegedly, hopefully uh, the weather may or may not cooperate. Tom Herman said after practice on Tuesday that basically everything in terms of contingency plans uh, are on the table. Do they move the game time up depending on the weather? Do they move it to Sunday, which sounds like a potential nightmare? Do they go inside the bubble? Uh, could it which be to where suck you for fans? Yeah, to and media too, because we wouldn't get <laughs> it. It isn't a game. Um, 
Could you? And we're not we're not going to count on LHN to show it, but that's another debate for another day. Um, but the, basically, everything is out on the table. Uh, the, Tom Herman wants to get in that fifteenth practice. He does yeah. not want to cancel it. They need it and do away with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But as of right now, let's go ahead and pretend like everything's on schedule. Six thirty under the lights Saturday night at DKR for the spring game. We will talk about that in full here on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns twenty four seven. Com. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man that sits to my right, though, here in the studio. He is currently active in the NBA playoffs when it comes to daily fantasy because this is the money time of year for him. Matt Butler. Matt, what's up, man? Yeah, we were talking a little bit of NBA stuff, and it had been pretty interesting. I can't believe, like, LeBron losing, that really did surprise me, though, the way that that game lost because yeah. they could have lost games yeah. in – Game ones that like last year to the same team should have lost game one if CJ Miles hits a shot, but not where it's just like there's an obvious disadvantage. Victor Oladipo's more athletic than all your guards, and he literally did the same thing over and over and over. Act like you're gonna go to the hoop, and then he just pull up and hit a three. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. They to need watch. more LeBron early and often. He didn't score his first basket. I think until like one minute and fifty two seconds left in the first quarter. It, it was weird. It was one of those digits. games. Like I was watching him, and he was observing as if he was watching he film was. in the first quarter. I don't know if what he was doing because I'd never seen him yeah. in the corner, he, and he was just in the corner watching his offense and their he offense. He wanted to see how they would respond to Indiana playing at that level, and I, I, I think he was displeased. Oh, yes. What, what he, saw. he was trying to figure out what the hell we're we supposed to do here. Yeah, He's going to have to guard him. Uh, he can talk about LeBron James. He can talk about a multitude of topics and subjects because he is the Renaissance man here on our show. You can get him every day uh, on 1049 The Horn, our wonderful partners with the Austin Radio Network, every day on a broadcast from 1 to 3. But before he did all that, before he was a radio man, he uh, actually is still a lifetime Longhorn, but he was a 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T-ring was, he would wear it proudly. And if you're out on the green belt or dirty six or something, if you happen to see it in a storm drain, give Rod B his T-ring back. No nah, man, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's gone now. I'll get another one though. I just gotta pay for it this time. I'm sure he was number 21 <laughs> in your program, but he will always be number one in your hearts. At least he should be, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, What's going on, let's go ahead and start the spring game conversation. Let's do it. Uh, talking about just a broad question: What are you looking for? What do you want to see? And what Tom Herman wants to see, at least based on what he said after practice on Tuesday, he just wants to see a clean game from his number ones, which I think. That's the should be the bare minimum. Just yeah. no stupid mistakes, no dumb penalties. Rod B, you know what that is. That's the holes. No, not necessarily the holes, but that's the false starts, the procedures, yeah. the, Don't want the shifts. Yeah. Don't want it to be sharp. Brain yes. farts. Crisp. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can do that. You can do that without even being prolific and making a lot of big plays. Right. We can at least be sharp and crisp. Out there, and Bill Snyder's made a career out of Kansas. Yeah, State. don't don't look like you're chaotic. Don't make it look like we haven't been practicing <laughs> right. all spring long. Like, damn, what the hell they've been doing? You don't want to have that type of reaction from fans. Like, what the hell have they been doing? You would like to see, you know, that pro spread. We talk about it, put it on the back burner, but that's the, you know, what the the label is, I should say, for Tom Herman's offense. We want to start seeing signatures of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see in the spring game. And I don't know if we'll, we will, but that's what I would like to see. I think uh, 
for me, going along that same line of thinking, and this is uh, up on our staff question of the week at Horns247.com, I go back to when we had coordinators available earlier in the spring, and I asked Tim Beck, you know, what what do you want this offense to do by the end of spring ball that will make you feel like you're getting better, that you're heading in the right direction? And he said when the offensive staff sat down after the season, when they started to evaluate things, they felt above all else the one thing they needed to do was to be able to run the football. And we talked about that a lot on this show mm-hmm. the last few weeks. But, yeah. Rod, now I'm not expecting this run game to suddenly be like 95 Nebraska or, you know, Barry Switzer's Oklahoma teams where you're just running it down someone's throat for yeah. four or 500 yards a game. What I do want to see, though, are just a couple small things that give you hope that, okay, yeah, they're moving in the right direction. And that is, does your run game have some diversity to it? Yeah. Like, can you, can you sense that, okay – these are things that be- can become staples of a run game. Yeah. And, and we saw some different things with what they were doing in the bowl game that was different than what we saw through the first 12 games of the season where you're like, okay, yeah. I feel like I have an idea of what they want to do on offense, what they want to get out of the run game. So I want to see, you know, what do you want to try to hang your hat on? What do you want the staples of this run game to be? And then I want to see the impact Herb Hand has had, not just with the offensive line, which I think people will see a group up front that, while you may not be able to tell it by the whole, how the group itself looks, I think you'll be able to tell individually you'll see improvement from some guys. You know, having getting the practice windows we have this spring and then also, you know, getting to hear about stuff going on behind the scenes on closed portions and the scrimmages and whatnot. You know, Derek Kerstetter's a guy that's gotten better. Denzel Okafor's a guy that's gotten better. So they've had some improvement uh, individually. And and not only do I want to see that, but I want to see, you know, what are some of the things that Herb Hand in terms of blocking schemes and concepts? What are some of the things that he wants to be staples of this run game? And how does he want that group to be molded? And what do they want to be known for running the football? So basically, Rod, I want to see the start, the formation of an identity when it comes to running the football. Um, uh, you brought up a good point. It's hard to tell whether a team overall is good during a spring game, just evaluating it, because if the offense does good, does that mean the defense is bad? Mm-hmm. If the defense does really well, does that mean the offense is bad? And everybody, are they very vanilla with the play calling? All that kind of thing. So it, it's really hard to tell a lot about the overall team and how successful they're going to be from the spring game. But to your point, I think something you can really look at is really the kind of the technique of guys. Um, have guys really improved footwork? You know, are guys more explosive? Do they have a? Do the guys have more of a burst? We talked about the um, you know the off season workouts for the guys and how much guys improve during the off season workouts with Yancey McKnight. Is that something that you know continues? You know, I mean, that's something that you can see. Can I actually see the uh, the more explosive Charles Amenahu and you know Brick and Hager? Do they do these guys have their grown man body? Do I get mm-hmm. to recognize it? The grown man body. Yeah. You see it at times. You're like, man, that dude did not look. He did not have that grown man body last time. So Cole McCoy. I think went Cole McCoy. Oh wait, I was I thinking think everybody. The, yeah, he looks like a punter in you know in 07, 07. and then in 08 he comes out and he's got a grown man body. So you start looking at things like that. Those are things you can identify. So I think for the offensive lineman, yeah, I would like to see if some of the guys are a little bit more, you know, powerful up front if they can, you know, if they if they pull, if there's a little bit more crisp in the way the guys are pulling, if it's some, you know, inside run plays, do they have, you know, enough, um, you know, enough guys in the interior? And that's where the 
really the strength of the offensive line is going to be. It should be in the spring game. Yeah. That's where all your veterans are. Uh, Zach Shackelford, Patrick Vahey. That's where all your, your veterans are inside. Um, you know, on the outside is where you have the questions. Everybody's waiting on Calvin Anderson. And that's why the offensive line will look really, you know, totally different come, yeah. you know, this a- actual season. And that's why I don't expect a lot from the running game in the spring game. It's, you know, they lost a lot. I mean, they lost Connor Williams. They lost, like, what, four guys potentially who were veteran offensive linemen. Jake McMillan. Mm-hmm. Jake McMillan's one that hurts, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they lost a lot, and they had a lot of guys hurt. Patrick Hudson's been hurt. Uh, Mike Grant, Mikey Grandy is hurt. I mean, so, I, I you know, I know it's going to be improvement overall. But I'm with you. I think you'll see it more of an individual. I don't even know as a group if they're going to improve that much. Right. I'm not trying to be negative. Yeah. I'm just pointing out the facts of it. Yeah. And it Tight makes... end position has been hobbled, too. I mean, as a group, they're still hurting. Yeah, I uh, I do think, Rod, the, the best way I've described the offensive line, and I think that's the one group that fans could walk out of DKR on Saturday feeling like, God, this group is awful. The offensive line's terrible. This is Texas. How can your offensive line be that bad? But I would caution everybody by saying, look, it's a work in progress. Yeah, and exactly. That group, maybe, maybe I could throw running back into that mix, but yeah, more so than more too. so than any other position group on the roster, the offensive line is going to look drastically different. The first fall practice once you get your that, anchor, that it does right now. When you get once you anchor. get Calvin Anderson yeah. and Patrick Hudson healthy, yeah. yeah. Really, with those two guys, those are the two guys that Tom Herman's talked about publicly, and then you talk to people behind the scenes. Those are the two guys that they feel could change the entire complexion of this group. It's Calvin Anderson, if he is what they think he is, yeah. and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. And not, not to say he's going to be Connor Williams. I mean, he's not going to be a borderline first-round draft No, but he's got, pick, what, 36 starts, something he's like gonna that in his a, career? He's going to be a tremendous upgrade from, yeah. from what the alternative is, which no doubt. I, I like Denzel Okafor as a player. Denzel Okafor is not a left tackle. Yeah, but then if you put a guy like Calvin Anderson in front of Denzel Okafor, then, then you're talking about serious depth. You then you I mean? can. Yeah. Then does that say okay? We can now kick Okafor over to right tackle, where he's probably a better fit. Exactly. And and now that's going to let Derek Kerstetter work some more center, where maybe now depth. he's competing with Zach Shackelford. Yeah. And we've talked about Shackelford needs somebody to push him. Yeah. Because not just that. That's one thing I asked Tom Herman that after the first practice, like, what are you doing for backup center? Because you don't have one. <laughs> like Terrell Cooney and Jake McMillan are gone, so you don't have a backup center. Yeah. I mean, Austin also is, is a walk-on. He's basically, I guess, technically yeah. your number two center. But well, it's, there's a big yeah, thing it, to look for. It, it's no, Kerstetter, Kerstetter, and Elijah Rodriguez. No, you got to start working on that right now. Well, I mean, you got to have like two centers next game for the spring game, but yeah. going back and forth. Well, well no, they're yeah. only going to use one offensive line. Okay, though. yeah, 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 yeah But okay. yeah, they're going to rotate guys. But no, I'm, I, well, they only have so like is nine scholarship offensive Eight healthy guys. Nine. That's a lot of snaps for one center. Nine, but Hudson with both offenses. But yeah, man, they got to start working on that. Right, I'm sure they already are, but man, that's, are. that could be a devastating, yeah. you know, situation. Well, you don't want to overwork the guy work. too doing double well, duty just in a spring game. Well, just you know, just insurance. You just want to make they sure the you're covered though. there. You no, know, that, true. that could that, that could that could torpedo your entire season right. yes. if you don't have a center and you don't address the backup situation there. Especially Tom, any now other position, that center gets hurt too. Yeah, you can make shift a lot of positions. I will figure it out here. I'm talking almost any position other than, other than quarterback and center. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. They should go find Lyle Sinline really and just have Sinline be the skill set. 
Everything else, I think you can you can money ball it. But yeah, they, you got to figure that out. That's scary. Yeah, you just brought and, that up. And Tom Herman even mentioned this uh, after practice on Tuesday, Rod. Something you just handed on. You know, spring is the time where you do, and I'm glad he said it because we talked about this when spring started. Spring is the time where you do experiment and you oh, are yeah. tinkering with things. Like, hey, let's. I just want to look. Let me look at this formation right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll let this guy who maybe he's a guy playing. You know, boundary safety. Let me get a look at him at field corner. Yeah. So we'll see what it looks like. Agreed. This is the time of year when you do that because once you hit fall, really your two deep is pretty much set unless somebody just has Close some kind of away. crazy, yeah, yeah, just crazy start it's to like camp. That Russell Wilson style, especially mm-hmm. now, Rod, camp. because of how it is, you've really got maybe two weeks of camp, and then you're getting ready for Maryland. Yeah. You're already, and even in the you know prep to that, depending on how tough your you know your non-conference schedule is early on, you're already probably diving into you know a little premature preparation, if you will. You know, what I mean, you're already doing mm-hmm. things leading up to what you're going to be game planning for. They're getting yeah. the guys comfortable with that. So last year, just yeah. just for just to give you an idea of kind of the schedule they were on, this is at least and from they the had defensive a tough side. Non-conference, you know, Todd year. Orlando last year, and keep in mind it was a new staff too. So you, that's yeah. another reason you started early. <clears throat> when I went to the Angelo Clinic and heard him speak in June, he had already done all of his initial prep on Maryland at that yeah. point and was already starting San Jose State and was going to go through San Jose State and then USC and then start rolling through. So by the time you got to camp, you're boom, you're you've already got you already you don't have to waste time saying okay, what uh what's yeah. Maryland's what are that what's their base personnel? Yeah. What personnel? What what do they like to what, what kind of funk do they like? Do they they more of a 10 personnel team? Do they go 12, 21? What do they do? He already had all that down. It's a good example of being a new coach and having everything to be done, plus that or your first year where you aren't the new coach where you actually can have a full offseason to just prep for the next football season. You aren't getting hired, coming in this whole massive process that he endured in a whirlwind. Now it's that first reset year where you actually can do that. So that's where the idea of continuity, and you always wonder where all these things, that what they add up to. But that's just one of the many examples over time that if you do have some continuity, the type of repetition that then can sort of feed the word consistency across the board. Yeah. Rod, and you know this, having been in the locker room, there will be guys that complain about, oh, man, I'm third on the depth chart or whatever. And it's like, man, you had 15 practices to the spring game to yeah. make your move. Yeah. yeah, there was plenty of time. Yeah. I mean, 15 practices, it, it doesn't take long to figure out, oh, you know what, we got to start focusing in our, you know, we got to make sure that we are maximizing this guy. Um, and you, and there are some guys mentioned throughout, we, we talked about Brecken Hager and Malcolm Roach. You can tell there are some guys that are getting the coaches excited. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I haven't heard as much excitement about guys. Most of the excitement I've heard has been about, Guys on defense, the young DBs stepping up. You know, the the young three that have stepped up, Anthony Cook, Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, out of that 2018 class that are here early. And, you know, so that's I, – I do worry that, yeah, offensively they haven't made enough strides. He's criticized the running backs, talked about the second second offensive line that, you know, don't have the depth that he would like. And, of course, they don't because Calvin Anderson's not here yet and they've had injuries. The tight end position, you know, I think he's talked – complimentary of the tight end position but it's only been because Reese Latow is just apparently shown that he can Andrew be. Beck's had a really good spring and Andrew too. Beck's had a good spring so that, that that's actually one of the positions I think you that I think you'd be pleased with the progress of maybe during the spring considering where they started wide receiver 
inside wide receiver, they still don't really don't know who's going to be that guy. I mean, lately, so, LJ Humphreys worked a lot should, more in the slot, which we talked about. should have been there. Yeah. yeah, no question about it. And I haven't heard enough about Colin Johnson, which means to mm. me, Colin Johnson hadn't shown out yet. Yeah, because he does freaky things him. if you He's do. A, exactly. I, I saw <laughs> the, catch, the catch the catch that he had on Anthony Cook. That was Anthony the first Cook. day. Yeah, I remember him tweeting it. I was like, oh, oh, more Colin Johnson freaky stuff. You know what I mean? I want to see it. And I haven't seen enough of it. I haven't heard enough praise to me, you know, and I've been following it every day pretty much. And, Jeff, you've been there. You let me know if I'm off here. I haven't heard enough praise about him. To me, that means he isn't stepping up into that freakish role they want him to be. So I just haven't heard. And, and then, of course, the quarterback competition is um, it is what it is. Uh, he, I don't, we, we don't have a starting quarterback, so that means famous that. Famous Longhorn. Yeah, it's still a competition, and there's, uh, you know, there's some uncertainty there. My point is. All the question marks we had about the offense after the season, we still have them now. We're going to have them after the spring game. Right. That's, they're all going to be there, the same ones. When, when this uh, spring yeah. game is not going to be – it's not going to be anything for our offensive, like, perception and, and even, answer our – Even if we any saw questions. something great yeah. and it was blew our minds and they threw all over the it, field, it wouldn't mean anything. Uh, it, like, that's the difference, that spring game. It's just a good sign. It doesn't mean production will be there. No, that's true, but I don't even expect that. Like, well, I don't, I don't even, expect I don't, that I don't expect either. Sam or Shane to just go out there and just start slanging it. And I've got the ball. You know My I mean? bar for this offense Definitely. from what I see on Saturday is really – Really, really low. That's kind and of that might I'm be saying. sad to say, but just being realistic. I've said this before, Rod. I'll say it again. When you're as bad as they were offensively last year, yeah, you're basically you didn't hire or fire coordinators, but you're basically doing a reset and a reevaluation of okay, clearly. And, and look, we sat here and talked about is it personnel, is it scheme, and people argue, well, they don't have this guy, this guy, this guy, and you know, Rod. I know our point was well, that's understandable, but yeah. they didn't necessarily do a good job, and that's kind of what you know. You hear, you talk to them people behind the scenes, and you hear Tom Herman publicly talk about it. The staff now knows, hey, we didn't do as good a job as we could have of getting the most out of that offense. Yeah, they made some changes. Right. The one thing I yeah. like, they haven't been in the market of BS that they made much. Changes. They, if they if they see bad football, they'll say at least no, bad football. They, they, we talk, we criticized the wide receivers and the how they use the personnel as wide receivers. They made a change there. Now they have an inside and, and wide I think that's wor- I think that's worked out a little bit. Well, it's um, not even inside outside. It's just whatever. There's no rhyme. Or they're basically yeah, two, whatever they two whatever receivers. they want to call them. They got two wide receivers. They got two wide receivers coaches, and they brought in an offensive line coach because that was the probably the um, the worst performing group on the team altogether, even though you had a first-round pick on there. So I think they brought in a guy that can, you know, that's supposed to be kind of a guru and a savant yeah. when it comes to O-line technique coaching and that kind of thing. So I, I think they addressed all the concerns, but my point is just looking at the spring game, I'm with you. My expectations are low for the offense. And considering how much praise they've heaped on the defense, mm-hmm. I expect them to excel. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If the defense, if they start making plays on the defense, a lot of them, then that may concern me more than, you know what I mean, if the offense looks bad. Yeah. And that brings <laughs> us back to the point that yeah. we were having like 20 minutes ago when we said that you could go out there and see the game play out and the offense dominates or gets dominated by the defense, yet – both can be like slightly improved. The offense can be better and still get dominated because if the defense is just as good or anywhere near what they were, it's going to be hard for that offense to move the ball against them because no offenses in the country were moving the ball against them. 
Yes, true, but they, obviously they lost a lot on defense. True, like, like just saying that in context, drafted, because of the matchup, like you, we can leave there. Even if the offense looks horrible, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know they are going to be horrible. They can actually maybe be improving and just also be in the situation that in going against a defense that beat you up. Yeah, you know, but Rod, going back like offensively, we talk about kind of what Matt was talking about. You can see improvement without the production necessarily being there. That that to me is what the offensive line is all about. Like I said, the individual <laughs> pieces I think to to an extent have gotten better. But man, Rod, you played with really good offensive lines at yeah. Texas. Man, that takes time and a, and a lot of reps to get that thing down. And, and I think that's that's what's going to help this group in the spring game is when you've basically got one offensive line and you're just kind of rotating guys through. That's what I said. I know Matt made a good point that, I mean, are you going to overwork your guys? Are you going to have them play 150 snaps or whatever? But this group needs the reps. They, they need the work yeah. together. Yes. And exactly. No and can't group, afford injury. No group, no group has to work in, you know, with, with more cohesion as a unit than the offensive line. Right. That's why they don't get a lot of individual credit because so much of what they do is based on working as a unit. Mm-hmm. So I'll say when once you add a, an anchor to that, the most important piece to it coming up during, you know, uh, when, when, when fall starts in training camp, then that changes everything too because them working as a unit, even getting the continuity down between themselves, that changes up because you're going to add a new guy to it. Who's gonna be, you know, introduced to a new style of coaching, that kind of thing? It's gonna take him a little while yeah. to, you know, acquiesce. What, to I thought, what I thought, what I thought was interesting too, going watch going to practice on Tuesday for the window we were there. You know, Herb Hand had Patrick Hudson working with the first group just in some walkthrough stuff. Yeah, and to me, that was not a shot at Patrick Vahe. That was this. We've had eleven practices without this guy. This is practice twelve. Is the first one where he's really been able to go. Mm-hmm. He as much as he can do, he's gonna go do it because we got to get him up to speed. Because they know that Patrick Hudson's a guy that's going to need to help them. Yeah. He's gonna have to help this group. Yeah, he's gonna basically gonna be, you know, your number one interior guy coming off the bench. Yeah, and think about the permutation, the numbers that you have to go through here, just to where you brought up the amount of reps that will have to be had just because you're going for both sides. They can work well for you because, like, you don't think of the actual amount of combinations, but once you have five positions and say you're other than center alternating those other four, but then if you can both be guard tackle, it's like adding one different variable to that chemical compound of the four. Like you were saying, that cohesion needs to be formed. There's a lot of different options because once you start multiplying five times four times three, talking about that's 60 options right there if you just have – your tackles, guards, guards, tackles, all being able to rotate within each other with the same center. It's a lot of different combinations if you're working on both sides and both at left guard and right guard. Yeah. And then one other guy at left guard or at left tackle and then the other guy. So once you start getting into that, the amount of these reps, you'll be surprised that even if you're in 100 plays, you might only get to like eight of the combos that you were going to be able to do when you have endless amounts. So at least that's the one good thing that you can pull from this game since you're going to see – an overworked offensive line, see which groups work well together. Rod, I, I, I want to go to the receiver position because you talked about Colin Johnson and just who's you know who on offense has had a good spring because it seems like we've heard more about the improvement of, of guys on defense and yeah. Tom Herman has singled guys out. You know, Devin Duvernay might have had the best spring of anybody on offense. And I think Duvernay's the kind of receiver, and this isn't to knock him as a talent, I just think he's the kind of guy that – needs to be kind of schemed open sometimes and have the right matchup and have the ball thrown mm-hmm. in the right place. In other words, yeah. 
he's not, you know, Des Bryant. He's not going to mm. be the guy that contorts his body and just makes the great, you yeah. know, wins that wins that 50-50 ball. You're going to have to do some different things to help him get up. But in the right offense defense. can be maximized. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like yes. in that Veeran shoot, man, he was perfect for the slot in a Veeran shoot. You think about Kendall Wright and Tevin Reese and the other guys that Art Browse had mm-hmm. a Baylor. DuVernay yeah. was that kind of guy. Well, and talk about when Sterling Gilbert year was his most successful. Right. And yeah. so – Want those guys? Yeah, you want to hit those guys in stride. I think right Real now, right. honestly, from what I've seen, what I've heard, I think Lil Jordan Humphrey is the best wide receiver in this program, and I'm not even sure there's really a close second. Um, honestly, I mean, we knew that. The, the, we, we knew that last year. Watching the the film does not lie. Other than like, Colin, well, it looks like Lil like, Jordan Humphrey is gonna. I mean, and I, right now he's more productive. Than, oh yeah, than Colin, and you can do more stuff a, with him too. You, you, oh, he's yeah, more versatile. I mean, you man, can Rod, do more you know, things with him offense. He's got that multiplicity. Like we bring, I brought up a couple Colin, weeks ago, he actually literally is yeah. as explosive or as good as any runner Texas has had in the last three years in the open field. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying he's this guy, but you have practiced enough with him and watched him run routes on air. But I remember when I was like in high school. And and I would when back when you could go to practice, mm-hmm. I would go out to practice and watch Roy Williams, and you yeah. watch just watch Roy Williams run routes on air, and you're like, man, that guy looks like he just looks special. Yeah, he does. Like this a bit a bit something big waiting to happen. This is true. And when I watch little Jordan Humphrey, and you just watch just kind of the way he attacks the ball and just the little subtle nuances to his game and, yeah. and his athleticism, I'm like, man, this guy just seems like he's something big waiting to he's happen. He's a powerful athlete. You know what I mean? There you go. Like, Boom. It, it's they hit it's, a run yeah, and you can see Rarely it. do you have a his, big body with that. His speed to power. Yeah, exactly. With the with the body and the body control. But his speed to power, the way he transitions it, because you can see it when he explodes <laughs> off the line of scrimmage. But then you can see it when he makes his break or he makes his drop and makes his cut uh, and uh, drops it drops his hips, I should say. Um, and there's there how they transition from the speed to the power. And that means that's why when mm-hmm. Lil Jordan Humphrey <laughs> gets the ball that's he becomes powerful so quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, hard to bring those guys down. It's like, damn. He, usually guys are, you know, they're thinking about Jerky. going to, you know, they're, they're speedy guys are easy to bring down usually. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So you got to worry about his speed. But then when he catches the ball, you got to worry about this guy. You can't come in with an arm tackle on him. Right. You got you to gotta securely bring him down. Those guys are tough. And Roy was like that too a little bit. I mean, Roy – Roy could always kind of break. You remember Roy just kind mm-hmm. of running through tackles sometimes through yeah. the secondary because he was just powerful, man. And he was big. Though. Both those guys, I mean, what was Roy, 6'4", or something like that? Yeah. I think. Yeah, let man. me look it up at the Well, count. he was 6'5", yeah, at Texas. He was like 6'3". He was 6'5", at Texas. I think yeah, he was 6'2". You always shrink when you go to the league from Texas. But, I mean, and those guys weren't necessarily ha- – they don't have fast 40s. Like I, And Roy, I don't think his 40 was no. fast. And I don't think little Jordan Humphrey's 40 is going to be that fast. But you exactly. You go out there and watch him run routes. Like Jeff said, you go watch that beast of a, an yeah. athlete run routes, and you'll go, okay, I can see why a DB would open their hips early on this guy. Gosh, Roy yeah, because yeah, you is, under- hold on, this is Roy Williams at the combine, six three, two twelve, and a four three six. Yeah, Holy, well, I take that back then. With a with a, a twenty yard shuttle of three nine seven. Okay, I take that back. A then. six seven five three. Well, that was when he was right. training, not was, eating cereal in the dorm. No, and this is he's a freak though. This is where yeah, that's where I said you can't directly compare him. Roy Williams was he was a track athlete too, I had, so I take that back. Yeah. I had never it makes sense. Like, he was a track guy. He was the big body explosiveness that you see. Like I mean, you I, I, and then I saw a guy the last two years when he was at USC that was underrated in Juju Smith Schuster that people would constantly see his body and not 
give him any respect that he could do just the things to come out of breaks and yeah. little subtle things. Now think of a guy like Lil Jordan that is an athleticism, like between that track athlete, like what you thought you saw for a couple of snaps out of a Jalen Overstreet, a big body athlete, but then it's like, no, but this guy's a football player that knows how to do every single detail of his yeah. position and embraces power and does all the other things around being that almost big body track athlete that's explosive that the other opponents are actually going to undervalue and underestimate and think he can't do what his body really can do. Yeah. He comes from a program at Southlake Carroll where, I mean, if you're going to be a player over there, I mean, you're running the varsity's offense in your 7-on-7 leagues when you're like in fifth grade. Yeah. So Refined. in terms of in terms of being nuanced in the game, you know, what's going on? And, and he can't, the I mean, versatility, I mean, keep in yeah. mind, this is a guy that came up as a running back. There you go. No, he's a more versatile piece definitely yeah. than a guy like Roy Williams. But Roy yeah. was so Roy was special. Roy was like a I, raw athlete, athlete. I didn't. I don't remember so. seeing one like him before he got to Texas. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen one like him since he left. Uh, they played Very the wide receiver position. We've had some freaks here, man. Oh, when Malcolm Williams was the one, I was so far off. But when um, we saw Malcolm Williams that first year, he was that big Lavelle body. Lavelle Pinkney was supposedly like a freak too. Didn't Lavelle? Pinkney? Lavelle was, he was okay. Lavelle Mike was Adams was not, higher Adams. not as big fluid of an athlete as Roy. Williams. No yeah. way. He was a tight end. Didn't Lavelle have that explosiveness. was explosiveness. Yeah. No, he might have been the greatest athlete to play wide receiver at Texas. I don't want to disrespect anybody. Did. I mean, yeah, when I, mean, I think of athletes yeah. in football, I think of Roy and Vince Young were the two big body six five guys that I had never seen move that way in my life. They yeah. did stuff at their positions. I'd never seen a wide receiver being like a guy that could run a quick slant or a reverse and then get beat the guy around the corner yeah. in Roy's body. No, it was Roy just was crazy, like seeing that. And then same thing with Vince, where his body type, like you don't see people that size when they get up to speed with that stride. They're different. You just don't have them. There are very few of them in the world. Yeah, most of them are in the NBA. All right. Um, sticking with the <laughs> offense, though, football. Rod, I, I, I want to hit quarterbacks and receivers real quick before we move on. And, and you know, with with receivers, I mentioned Duvernay Spring and Colin Johnson. I mean, Lil Jordan Humphrey, maybe, probably, in my opinion, being the best receiver you've got in the program right now. I don't know what the deal is with Colin Johnson, but when I watch him on the practice field, you talk about when I see LJ Humphrey, I'm like, that's something big waiting to happen. Like I, I made it a point on Tuesday because I hadn't really watched, like just spent a practice watching quarterbacks and receivers. Yeah, I left wanting more from Colin Johnson. Hmm. You know, like there was a ball that Sam Ellinger kind of, and this is routes on air, kind of threw a little bit behind him. But I'm like, man, if you're a big time guy, you you maybe you you catch that. You and catch and I don't want to like insult mm. anybody like yeah. that, but it's I mean, there was yeah. a ball like yeah it. At You're six six and to be things. able to do the things you do, you should climb the ladder for that ball instead of it going over your yeah, head. Yeah, because I know you got yeah yeah, and I I'm with you. It's it's one of those things where with Colin Johnson, when is he going to be every time on on an every down basis the threat that he was in that USC game? There's too much boom or bust with him. Right yeah, now, you know still. what I mean. So and now the question the ceiling, you just posed, the ceiling of him is still high. But yeah, you wanna you wanna you wanna get to the point where he no longer bottoms out. So you wanna uplift his basement because like you said sometimes he is unbelievable and you're like damn that that guy's a 6-6 matchup nightmare out there and then other times it's like well where did Colin Johnson go yeah literally he might be on the bench because the coaches might have benched him too because they have probably a similar perception at times of him they want more from him period and the question that came in your mind whenever you saw that happen those type of questions d- didn't jump in your mind ever while watching Roy Williams. That's sort of the difference where, where if you're saying, like, this guy has the tools, he should be doing freakish things, yet 
what we have seen these other guys always just constantly do as if it's just rolling out of bed and running quick slants and getting open, and he's always going to be able to do that. Something when you see the tools that makes you frustrated, you wonder why isn't this guy doing what these other guys with similar skills are just so obvious that you never even had to ask that question. Yeah, Matt, you brought up a guy earlier, and not, and I think Collins better than Malcolm Williams, but with Malcolm Williams as observers of this program, we were always wondering, and I think the three of us yeah. probably did it one time, you're chasing that Texas Tech game like, man, when's the next one coming? He's he, leaving early. He was so – I mean, he had like an 80-something yard yeah. touchdown in that game. You're like, when's that next one coming? 89. And the next game never came. Yeah. And literally, like, those came. are the last two guys that I've had that thought. How wrong have I been? Because I haven't thought of one Texas wide receiver being like, oh, that guy's leaving early, except for Malcolm Williams. And I said, saw Colin Johnson as a freshman. It was like, oh, he's leaving early. And then both of them – Probably yeah. maybe not. Maybe and right and right with early. Colin Rod, you brought it up like, okay, that USC performance. Are we? When are we going to get more of that? And it's like that's the one that that was the high point of yeah. his season last year was Game Three, and it never, for whatever reason, we never saw. I mean, granted, quarterback, quarterback play was erratic. There was Connor there, Williams. There left were at extenuating that time. circumstances, but yeah. still, I think the staff really got to the point where they they wanted more from him. Yeah. I agree with you. They want, if he's in man-to-man coverage, for him to always be able to get open. They, and I think what they want from him, and I, be, I think this is tough for him, they want him to create separation. And I don't think he always necessarily creates a lot of separation. Because his body his, his Separation that. is naturally 6'6". Six, six. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I want to have this conversation with you. I'm yep. glad you brought his this up. Hold that thought real quick. That, because yeah. this came up. Sorry, I, you, I owe everybody a beer. Since you have to get off. yourself open as a wide receiver, yeah. and so they, you land those skills. They, Except for if you have it built into your frame that no matter what, you still have – some part of your body's catch radius is open for a guy like Colin Johnson at yeah. all times. And if you got a veteran quarterback, usually, you know, your veteran quarterback understands that. Like Back Sims shoulder him. would understand, all right, I got Roy Williams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's open. So you this I mean? this came up, the, the subject of separation came up. I heard a lot of, uh, I'm, oh, a, I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of the, the ticket in Dallas. I listen yeah. to the ticket a lot unless I, I'm listening to the broadcast yeah. of one of the other fine shows on 1041. Dak doesn't look um, yeah, and that was one of the deals with, where they're talking about separation, separation, and Tony Romo did an interview, I don't know with who, but I just kind of heard the excerpt, yeah, and he's like, this. hey, yeah. Des doesn't have to Ball create skills. separation. It's like you just throw it up, and he'll go catch it. He'll get himself open. <laughs> yes. So, but Rod, haven't been a DB, though. Haven't been a DB, Rod. Is that like are there guys that you can have the best coverage in the world on him, but, man, at some point it he's just going to go make a play. Yeah, that guy just – yeah, he just – he's got his ball skills and body control. Yeah, and catcher. That he – he's he's open as long as the ball placement mm-hmm. is, is right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, basically he's unguarded with the ball placement is right. He's always – if it's a 50-50 ball, literally, uh, then he's going to – the percentages are going to increase in his favor mm-hmm. because of his body control, because of his ball skills and his hands. Now – that's why the Tony Romo Des Bryant conversation is so interesting because mm-hmm. yeah, Des Bryant, and we all remember as a beast, he was one of those guys talk about power to speed transition. Yeah. Right? He was one of those guys that if he's one on one, Tony Romo knew, man, if I put it in a certain spot, this dude is such a a a power force. You know Best I mean? high school football player I've seen in person with my yeah, own. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he will get there in the vicinity. I just gotta put the ball in right and, and Tony Romo was great at ball placement. He was and recognition, accurate. knowing when yeah. to do that. And him and him and Dez had the, had that chemistry. But with Dak, it's different. Dak needs a wide receiver to create separation. That's mm-hmm. why he liked Cole Beasley in his first year. He needs separation. He wants a guy to be open so that he can, you know, either throw him open. Framework Tony Romo didn't offense. need that. 
Tony Romo was confident enough, like, hey, I'm throwing, I'm putting it in a certain window. Dez, go to that window. If you're running mm-hmm. this route, go to that window. I'm going to put it right there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to give you a chance at it. And Dak doesn't do that. So I think our young, I think veteran quarterbacks can do that better. Our young quarterbacks, I don't know if they're that savvy. And I say young, now you got a sophomore and a junior. Um, but Bouchelle probably is, is cl- maybe closer to that because okay, he's let me really, bring really accurate. Me, and I think he can put the um, ball in the window. But yeah. yeah, for Sam, I think it's a little different. I think Sam goes about, he's a lot more about feel. Yeah. Then, you know what I mean with his routes and with the way he likes to throw it. It's about how it's about if he's feeling it or not. You've and seen him just kind of go over the top, like I'm feeling yeah. it, I'm going. Yeah, like, there's momentum, and he's he's like he gets he stays caught up like Johnny Manziel, like in the momentum. I'm going, I'm going, I'm yeah. going, and I'm going. You know, right what now I mean? they're and like they're in that stage of their off of it. their careers are in that stage in the same way that Dax is early on in the NFL. That you have a guy coming in to run a newer offense or a new system the first couple of years. So he's going to let the ball go where it's supposed to go to the open receiver, not necessarily dependent upon the chemistry, but that's why a guy like Colin Johnson was so frustrating to guys like us last year when he wouldn't be on the field because you know that you have that one built-in thing that even if everybody isn't open, which yeah. in your offense, then that's what you're relying upon. He still has that range yeah. catch radius that you can throw to that is still open that yeah. other receivers don't have built in so that's why when you talk about the NFL talent and skills you see that there and that's just sort of why you feel good about the future with him on the field but like maybe not so much at Texas because you have young quarterbacks that are going to be working within the framework of an offense that are going to be trying to get it to an open guy but it's always good to have then as a guy to fall back on everybody can separate I don't know if he's he's not a Roy Williams so he's not running the 4-3 yeah but and he's long, so it's harder for him to get in and out of breaks. And he's he's a bigger guy. But route running is essentially the art of separation. So if you're a great route runner, Dez is not. You know, you he's you, a free Jerry guy. Rice. You can create route. Yeah, you can create separations through your routes, through your angles, setting DBs up. You know Michael when they Irvin. turn their hips. Yeah, you can do it, man. When you're running a four Antonio seven Brown out there like right Steve now. Largent, Antonio you really Brown's can. the best. Route you know what I mean? Antonio Brown's the best route running in the league, and that's why Dez getting older, not as explosive. It's like, all right, man, maybe I need to go. You know, and not don't have the chemistry, of my quarterback. I got to go learn how to run routes, and he's he's working with a route guru or whatever like that. But my point is, that's that's what they want from Colin Johnson. He's got to get better at running yeah. his routes so that he creates separation because that's what they want to see. But I agree with Matt. I think at one point your quarterbacks get savvy enough to understand, and you put him in there in a red zone situation and go, he's six six. That defensive back is five ten. Especially when one of your QBs is Ellinger and scramble drill 24. So, I mean, if your offense has been basically dissolved into a scramble drill by the end of last season, that's the one guy in a scramble drill that would be the betting favorite in every single but time. That, like that's, that's all you want. The frustrating Common thing though sense. is Colin was a very Colin Johnson was a very good in a scramble drill last year. Like I remember the Oklahoma well, that's where game chemistry, where your body would just kind of run routes and just kind of run around and hang out. Like no, yeah. like bro, yeah, break that, that route off, come yeah, back to the quarterback. Foreman, but that's the mental the side of it. Armani Foreman drill. and L.J. Humphrey were the two best receivers they had drill. last year. Scout, yeah. Scramble drill, bar none. So if the mental side comes around to the guy that then physically. Still in the scramble drill yeah. when Ellinger's having to throw it to somebody, the one guy that has it built into his frame to be wide open, 
then if it clicks in the head, it makes him going to be nearly impossible to cover in that situation. That, that's one of those things, like going back to the offensive frustrations last year. I remember asking Tom Herman that in a press conference, and he said, maybe we do need to do more scramble drills. I'm like, why wouldn't, yeah. you, why wouldn't you be doing that anyway? Doing well, that anyway. If Sam Ellinger's your quarterback, that should yeah. be the one drill. But there's that second nature. At, sometimes the, pointing out the obvious is crazy whenever you're looking. Because like, if you love something, like I love sports and stuff, like you almost like breathe it like it is like just natural, and you think everybody else lives in this bubble in this world that you live in, and you would think that a, a kid of a Longhorn great would be football savvy and have the IQ and get these things. But sometimes it's worth reminding because, like, say Roy Williams, who knows? He was a guy that off the field wasn't that you know into football. No, but, but I'm he not putting that on Colin Johnson. Well, I'm putting yeah. that on the coaches. I'm putting yeah, that yeah. on the coaches too. Yeah, that scramble drill. That's on him. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know naturally. Yeah, you would like. Well, I'm just saying it's to note it for him to not like realize that this is an issue that I need to have every single kid connected like I yeah guess. i know and maybe that's why the, it's on the coaches too maybe the coaches mm-hmm. are putting it on him to you know start to be more cognizant of it but i i'll put that on the coaches man you got to be i would say 30 percent of all their pass plays because of the offensive line situation because you got young quarterback and sam yep. ellinger bam bam sam he likes to run around and improvise 30 percent of their pass plays end up in scramble drills mm-hmm. where he ends up leaving the pocket and, and looking around easily yep. Is this based on just kind? Of, I, I haven't tracked it, but that's my random guesstimate. And I, yeah, I'm, that'd be I'm a conservative you. estimate. Too. Yeah, yeah, for them not to practice that daily, daily, yeah, is ridiculous. For Shane too, Shane was running for his life a lot of the time doing. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah, it don't make any sense. You think it practice would have just resorted in scramble they, drills fifty percent of the time because the defense had to be giving them yeah. hell the whole time. They they did wide receiver wise. Texas the coaches did a lot to add to the. Um, you know, the frustration. Obviously, the offense was pretty defunct. Rod, yeah. if you hold on just a sec, because yeah. I wrote about this last year, because I got the data from yeah. Pro Football Focus going into the bowl game. It was. It was it was ridiculous. I mean, literally, that that was what was happening, yeah, 30, 30 to 40% of the time. He's scrambling for his life, and he's got nobody to throw the ball to, but Armonte Foreman was really good. That's mm-hmm. when Lil Jordan Humphrey would step up. They would make a lot of plays there. Oh, Lil Jordan Humphrey was great in he the scramble drill. And too. then it makes total and sense being a South Lake Carroll kid, a former running okay, back, right, here's you know, the like um, literally in the flat, his whole career had been probably floating around in yeah, the scramble right. drill. We only, we only got about 10 minutes left in the show, so I want to get to some other stuff before we do. But, Rod, this is the number from Pro Football Focus. Um, this doesn't look at passing, but – um, Sam Ellinger's ability to scramble. Uh, this was going into the bowl game. Ellinger t- took off on scrambles on 10.5% of his dropbacks. That was the third most in the Big 12. Okay. Uh, and that he turned was, into a he was average. He was leading the Big 12 in eight, uh, with 8.5 yards of carry on true scramble situations. That's great. Yeah. He's almost getting a first down every time he decides to scramble. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> then, that's better than that's your pro offense. football focus looking at it, like the play starts as a drop back pass and it turns into a breakdown where it is a true scramble he's, situation. He's, the, he's that's a quantifiable as, uh, example when of exactly which that exactly didn't count the ones when he passes right. exactly. So that's the quantifiable yeah. exact number yeah. where you talk about having well what what do you get from a dual threat quarterback? Well, if the quarterback would have been back there passing, he'd be sacked and you get nothing or negative yards. Instead, you're getting eight point three per play. For those 10, like that is huge. That's basically the way you talk the built-in second offense inside of an offense with a dual-threat quarterback, and he is able to get that every time. That's that's insanely good. Like I'd yeah. like to see if they charted 
that for Vince Young and what Vince Young was back oh. his first couple of years. So, Rod, when, per when, carry. When we talk about the quarterbacks, I want to talk about the quarterbacks real quick. And I, I don't think they're going to blow anybody away Saturday night. No. Um, but I think you'll see improvement, and you can see improvement, at least I have on the practice field. I, I will say this. I think Shane Bouchelle is at the point now, Rod, where – and I don't want to surmise this because I, I don't see every snap of every practice, but it seems like he's gotten to the point, this being his third spring, where he stopped having, like, the bad practices. Yeah, that's big. I don't, I don't think that he's – but the thing with Shane Bouchelle, he's not going to give you, like, the spectacular eye-popping play, but he's not going to give you that moment where if you're Tom Herman, you're down. throwing your hat down going, what the hell you, you know thinking? what was that? Yeah. yeah. So think about where Cole McCoy yeah. was two years into his career. That would be about my explanation if he was doing that. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy and good with that. And it's but like, oh, we, well, we that's can all young agree with Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Kind of like I'm talking about Devin Duvernay. I think, I think you need to scheme some things around him to 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 help him be a better quarterback. I agree with that. You, I mean, I think they they should do it with both quarterbacks. Well, depending on who is the quarterback, you should tailor the offense a little bit to the skill set of those guys. I think they will. Um, with guys like Devin Duvernay, I agree with you with the, with the skill position guys. And even guys like Gerard Hurd, guys, they got like three of these guys that I don't know over who's the best overall wide receiver. I think Lil Jordan Humphrey right now is leading to be that guy. But they got guys who have an elite um, kind of X-man ability. Like Devin Duvernay, it's his speed. Um, uh, Colin Johnson is six six. The catcher, you know what I mean. Yeah. Gerard Hurd is a guy that can, you know, he's really great with the ball in his hands, and he's played wide receiver and played Decisive. quarterback. Yeah, you know what I mean. So maybe you can use him a lot of different ways. And they got Lil Jordan Humphrey, who is the most versatile piece, and they still haven't utilized him or maximized him. So it is going to be a challenge for them with the wide receiver group. And yeah. getting back to the quarterbacks too, you know. These quarterbacks at one point need to start getting chemistry with one of these wide receivers or some of them. And you messing with the wide receivers and also messing with the quarterbacks, it is hurting the chemistry and their ability to right. feel out and figure out what their what their wide receivers like and mm-hmm. how they want the football in certain positions. I, I know quarterbacks, and I know they worry about that kind of stuff too on certain routes. How do you throw it? Where I'm going to throw it? Where's the window? You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. How I like to throw it and they cover – Two as opposed to how I'm going to throw that route in a cover three, you know right. what I mean, that kind of thing. So, Rod, at some point we talked about this for the spring game. So you're you're going to see Bouchelle and Ellinger split reps with their respective teams, but at some point we'll talk about this all throughout the summer. As If you're Tom Herman with knowing how important offensive cohesiveness is and that's what you're striving for, yeah. do you have to make that determination pretty early in camp? Okay, this is the guy we're going with. Yeah, that's This is the primary receiver group we want. This is the offensive line we want. Let's go get ready for Maryland. Yeah, that's interesting, especially with the quarterback. Yeah. Have you seen enough to make that declaration um, and make it public and, and say this is the guy? And if you haven't, what does it say? Does it say that we have a legit battle on our hands, or does it say that maybe what I tend to think it might say, and this is just my opinion, that Sam Ellinger, if you play the game tomorrow, would be the starter? Yes. But he hasn't done enough to separate himself from Shane Bruchel to where you can feel comfortable making that call right now if you're Tom Herman. I agree with that. And um, Tom Herman's just not going to make those type of calls in his career, I don't think. He'll, he's a guy that likes to leave that little yeah, bit of he that carrot in the know, opponent. He may leave it open, yeah, until even if he knows. One. He even if he knows. Open. I mean, I wouldn't doubt if he left it open. Yeah, no, I well, would I did, expect him to. What does he have to, to gain by right. well, only expecting to? You know that's what true. I mean? But all the guys but in again, the locker room, when they make comments, they always mention Sam now. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Those like are the Brandon things Hager's you pick like, up on. Who's going to cut his hair? It's like, and then Sam's going to be up there on stage. He's been the number hair. one guy all spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So from where I've been hearing the guys think he's the guy. Yeah, and I'm not talking about Tom Herman telling us publicly. I'm saying behind yeah. closed doors. Will he does do he, it? Does he have to say, okay, by this point in camp, I need to know yeah, Sam is the guy. He has to do that. I've got to know Sam is the guy. Got to do it. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to know. Or I would say, do, I you have say to just, has. do you have to just roll the dice if you're Tom Herman and say, you know what? I'm not 100% sure, but, but I'm close enough to where I feel like this is the group I've got to get ready to go play Maryland. It's like what A&M with Johnny Manziel always say. I remember there was a quarterback competition that year, hmm. and they didn't want to name the starter until, yeah. like, they week beat Florida. one. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I forgot who he was competing with. Uh, they should do, like, a 30 for 30 on that guy. Was it Matt Davis? I don't yes, know who it was. was. It was Matt Davis. But it was like a quarterback competition. They're like, well, we're not sure. I think we're going to go with Johnny on this one. Or, no, it was somebody else, <laughs> And then, too. boom, Johnny, Man- you know, Johnny Football is born. Uh, so I think the Sam Ellinger story is going to be similar where, you know, he's not going to name it uh, publicly, but then I think behind the scenes everybody knows who's the guy. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, give, yeah. I don't give a damn whether we know or yeah. not. And I think, oh, I th- I think you're right. I know. think within a week of training camp, okay. he'll, It'll be good he'll, if they know. Yeah, he'll already decide this is my guy I'm rolling with. Because him. I think right now there's still some of that, like we talked about Colin Johnson, there's that boomer bust with Sam right now because keep in mind he's only in the second spring. Very true. That even when you watch him against the air, like you'll see him or, you know, one-on-ones, you'll see him throw a ball. You're like, wow, that's okay. This is what I want to see. And then there's a couple of throws where like, oh, man, Ooh, where, where did that come from? Yeah. No, so it's still well, that's good that your backup that now is so consistent, no, not I'm having bad ones too. So. Um, Rod, I, want, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this Texas defense because really what else is there to say? Um, this defensive yeah. line, I'm fully expecting the defensive line to get the best of the offensive line uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, the linebacker situation. I, if there's one guy on defense and maybe one guy in this whole program that it's tough to it's tough on first viewing in a spring game to see everything you want to see. Mm-hmm. But if there's somebody listening to this podcast and they would ask me, Jeff, who's one guy that I should watch? Just give me one guy to watch. I would tell you to go watch Malcolm Roach because I think to do the things he's capable of doing yeah. at 270 pounds, Man, you talk about a chess piece Todd Orlando can move around and have fun with, especially when Gary Johnson gets back healthy. Mm. Malcolm Roach has the ability, right, to change the complete complexion of this defensive front as we know it. Yeah. Like they could be a legitimate now that they know what they've got in Hager. Yep. And you've got a minute who at two hundred and seventy whatever he is. An NFL with, caliber D. With Taquan Graham working mm. inside and now Malcolm Roach. You've got the ability on third down now to have four legit dudes that can get after the quarterback, getting after the quarterback. Yeah, and I love. It's almost like out of necessity because of the injury to Gary Johnson. It was out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. they had to move Malcolm Roach around, uh, but that that's his that's part of his strength. So I, I'm with you, man. I I think now you have two pieces, Breck and Hager and Malcolm Roach, who are who are hybridized, if yep. you will, have these hybrid skill sets, and Todd Orlando knows he can weaponize them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know put I mean? them where they need against yeah. specific in opponents. Situa- he can exactly. go and exploit yeah. any part of the D O exactly line that's right. there. And yeah. look, I mean, just wh- hearing you talk about Roach, it makes me just remember back to like my most underrated Longhorn D lineman that I've ever like enjoyed watching was Lamar Houston, and he started out because he was that guy in the total opposite reverse order, going like from a running back to linebacker to DN to D tackle, but having that body mm-hmm. type and that versatility, and then that athleticism that. Roach, he just seems like that guy the most similar to him since he left. Yeah. 
And Orlando, this is where I think Orlando and Muschamp are similar in the sense that mm-hmm. Rod, we talked about it last week. You know, the t- word tweener, it's a it's it's a negative term. Mm-hmm. But they don't see tweeners like tweener. No, I, that Give guy's multiple. I, I can use him here. I, I can take this guy. I can move him here. Yeah. Like I remember the guy like Will Muschamp was really excited. He recruited, and and you know. It didn't work he's out. somebody I consider a friend now. He's had injuries, but DeMarco Cobbs yeah, was, a was a guy that Will Muschamp was like, yeah. yeah, people say he might be a big safety. I don't know what he is, but I just want to put him on my defense and let him run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you just, want, you just want thoroughbreds out there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, I remember when Tom Herman called Brecken Hager a tweener uh, during the season. And yeah. Like after the like, Oklahoma State game, he's like, we, yeah, we're like, are going to use him more? He's like, yeah, we got to find a way to use him. He's a bit of a tweener. And that's what I, you know, I thought about the take. I was like, yeah, that's that's a, a kind of a disrespectful term these days. I bet now they consider him a hybrid. Yeah. Tweener is like, ah, oh, he's in between. We'll figure out something. We don't know what they really do with him. Just, a hybrid, that insinuates that guy's, uh, he's he's weaponized. Like, that yeah. is, is purposeful. It's intentional. You know what Shout I mean? Just like those undersized bigs in the NBA that were worthless. Exactly. Shout out yeah, to DeMarco Cobbs, by the way. Who's, Shout uh, out. He's uh, the linebacker's coach at Midlothian High School in the Metroplex. Nice. I always noticed that name. I was yeah. like, that's a weird <laughs> high school name. Um. So, <laughs> real quick, I think right the one thing I'm excited to see defensively, I want to see those young defensive backs because with the injury situation, you're probably oh, – if man. they come out in that lightning package, well, they'll be drafted up on teams so it won't be a true – like you won't see like the number one defense. But I want to see Caden Stearns, B.J. Foster, and Anthony Cook just getting glimpses of those guys this spring. I think people will be really – you talk about having grown man body, I think people will be really impressed physically with all of those newcomers. They will look like, man – Yance McKnight's doing some damn good things in that strength program with the way these young cats look. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, actually visit with uh, Jason Washington. Okay. The DB's coach, and he was talking about them young. And basically, Anthony Cook told me he's a technician. Uh, Absolutely. Caden Stearns is a guy that's got range. I mean, he, he can he can get to either sideline to sideline. Got some of that Earl Thomas in him. And that a, a B.J. Foster is just an athletic freak. Like, 200, you know, a 200-pound safety yeah, who can, covers like a corner and can fill the alley. Yeah, his athleticism is like B.J. Foster. B.J. Foster might end up being Michael Griffin 2.0. Yeah. Like he he, might, he just, might be that good. Yeah. That's what, yeah, it tells you the comparison. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's a, that, that group is exciting. Man. All right, guys. Our parting shot this week. Uh, Rod, I will start with you. The spring game is successful if what happens? Oh, that's a what, good one. What um, constitutes a successful spring game in your mind? If the um, if they can if they can make big plays on offense, people will be happy with that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I go with that. Big plays on offense. Matt, plays. Matt, what say you? If the offensive line just doesn't make it look like the quarterbacks will get killed, because they won't get killed, because they won't get hit. <laughs> right. But if it looks like they're going to get killed, then that's not good. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. If we can see tangible signs <laughs> that this offense is can improve. Not that it's improved, but if we see signs that we say we see we if we can see a we can see a light at the end of the tunnel on offense. Keep hope alive. All right. uh, Next week, I guess we'll wrap up the spring game, and then that'll give us all summer to talk about uh, spring ball or wrestling or pop culture or whatever pops up. Uh, (laughs) Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rob B. Appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at 1049 The Horn, the Austin Radio Network, hornfm.com, the Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt. You get us on iTunes, TuneIn, and any podcast app, plus get all of our archives, interviews, all the good stuff on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.